Welcome to a Little Juju podcast. This is the podcast all about black ass spiritual practices, ancestor, ancestor, <laughs> ancestor veneration, African traditional religions, and walking in alignment with our destinies, which inherently creates a better world, which gets us free. I am your host, Juju, and I'm very excited about the show today. It's just a lot of different topics that, and just things I've been thinking about this week that I want to talk about, and yeah, just just feeling some good content. So uh, sit back, relax, and let's get into the show. All you need is a little Juju. All you need is a little Juju. All you need is a little Juju. All you need is, all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give play. I'll take your photos to the grave. But that ain't even my thing I just stay at the crossroads, pray I just pour a little honey from my bay To make them stay Cause I hate when bay leaves But I manifest a little with my bay leaves I'm my ancestors, baby So I give them everything that they gave me yeah. Oh my goodness, this week Y'all How I'm feeling right now is I feel so I finished my first full week of doing readings full time for people doing readings for the public, um, you know, every day at set times and having a schedule around it. I finished my first week. So kudos to me doing that. Um, I have learned a lot about people. I've learned a lot about myself. I've you know, been having more conversations with people than I have in a long time and, you know, learning how to talk about things that are hard and and to better hold people's emotions and space and then also like hype people up all day, which is really exciting. And I get to connect with spirit more often and in a more intimate way and get to connect with other people's spirits, like people whose ancestors literally led them. Uh, to me and to my ancestors and so like being able to engage in that exchange I have no choice but to learn about about others and I feel like I'm learning so much more about um how we're just a lot of us are this like we're the same (laughs) like most of the divinations I had I have about three to four a day and, you know, the readings I had is so many of the things overlap. So, so many things overlap. I don't know if it's just like the people that I'm drawing in and I'm just drawing in people that I need to talk to. Uh, but it's just like so many of us are like struggling with the same things, thinking about the same things, having the same messages brought to us, having the same kind of internal conversations with ourselves, even experiencing the same traumas. Like we are just all out here trying to figure it out. And and a lot of us are just feeling the same things 
And so it's just been a really interesting process to kind of see the same habits of people and different people, um, but also being able to see people's just, um, being able to witness someone's destiny is, is powerful and it's sacred and it's exciting. And so just being able to like kind of, um, interact with another person's spirits and the other person's spirits telling them or telling me like, say this, say how great they are. Say like, they don't have to worry about this anymore. Say they're going to get the things that they want. They just need to do these things. Like, or we, we, we keep seeing them in the same kind of cycle. Like make sure that they stop. You know, it's just like, it's so, it, it, I can't even describe how rewarding it is, how rewarding it is. Reading people is like reading myself. I be getting read through reading y'all. So it's been so, so nice, but it is so taxing on my body. It's very taxing on like my energy. I have to do different things. I have to be more strict around my schedule and what I choose to engage in and what I don't. So it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot. I feel like I'm just kind of moving in a different direction and everything's happening really fast, but I I do feel very grounded. So it's good. It's really good. Um, the super moon was this past week. The super full super moon in uh, Libra was on the 21st of March. And, you know, I love seeing people's rituals that they do and, you know, all the ways that y'all was trying to channel balance the energy of balance and and purging the things that you don't need and getting your libra getting your libra on you know spoiling yourself being confident and getting into your looks for the year like you know it's what's your spring looks gonna be just like really channeling the libra energy and You know, I was saying this on my Instagram story and I felt like this was a good conversation to have on the podcast too. So I didn't do anything for the full moon. I typically don't do any type of ceremony or ritual for full moon. Sometimes I do, but most of the time I don't. And people will ask me like, what are some good things to do? Um, What's a, what kind of prayers could I say? What's a good, you know, just what are good rituals? And I always say for full moon, that's the time to manifest. That is the time to bring about and the life of abundance that we want, bring about the things that we dream about and how, how, how are we going to manifest those things? How are we going to bring our desires into, into formation, into life? How are we going to birth our new ideas and bring them from our heads, you know, into the physical plane, into the world? So sometimes when I do do a ritual, I'll, I'll write a petition to my ancestors, but most of the time I don't do shit. I be going to bed. And the reason for that is because I try to incorporate rituals. I try to incorporate ceremony in every single thing that I do from waking up to going to bed, to eating, to brushing my teeth, to drinking water, to taking a shower. I try to make all of that feel ceremonial. I try to make every breath that I take a prayer around what I want and what I need and what I'm asking the universe universe for. And then also like gratitude, like deep, deep gratitude all the time. Um, and so 
when specific dates come up to like do work around a thing like a moon, I'm just like, I've been doing this all day. Like I've been praying for abundance and I've been trying to walk in. You know, I just, I've been doing a ritual all day. Like I need to go to bed. (laughs) And that's not to say that, you know, rituals around nature, around moon phases are not important because they are. And working with nature adds potency to our works. Well, it can, it can add potency to the work and it can add potency to our intentions because we're using, we're, we're moving with the universe and not against it, like energetically moving with it. Um, so it's nothing wrong with doing rituals around nature. And I would actually like to get better a little bit around doing that work and knowing more like, okay, the moon is in this phase and moon is waxing today. What should I do? The moon is waning. The moon is full. But I really, you know, just want to encourage people to not feel like you have to wait until the moon is doing something to ask for what you need or to show gratitude um, or to manifest. You manifest any time that you can because that is when our ancestors manifested. They were in really um, time-constraining situations and there was a lot of immediacy around their needs. And so sometimes, aka a lot of the times, they weren't able to wait for the moon to be in this phase. If you need something now, you need it now. And that's when we have to do it because our life is, is on the line. We don't have a lot of time to do this. We need food today. We need medicine today. We need freedom, you know, now, today. Um, but they still also did workings around nature. So I'm just saying that to say I'm encouraging people to just feel, don't feel like you have to wait to do anything. If you're trying to manifest more a, a partner, a loving partner, you can wake up every morning and say, I'm manifesting the love that I, that I deserve from another person today. And you can brush your teeth and say that too. And while you're brushing your teeth, say, and I'm going to say the things that I need and put the energy into the universe to be able to manifest this person for me. Like, you know, when you're drinking water, you can speak into the water. I want love in my life and then drink the water, you know, just make it Again, I will be blue in the face. Y'all know I always say like secularism is just not of our people. Meaning again, spirituality is a part of everything. It needs to be a part of everything that we do. It is not separate. It's not okay. Right now I'm doing my job and then at three, I'll do some spirituality. And then at six, I'll go home and cook dinner. Like, no, it's actually all our spiritual practices. Spirit is always around us. We're constantly influenced by energies. So it's just like making it more of a consistent part of our lives really actually makes the work the most potent because you're constantly moving. You're constantly um, living your life in a way that's trying to create and curate the life that you want through your intention. Do nothing with that intention. Shout out to Solange. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Do nothing with that intention. Nothing. And you will actually see your magic be able to grow in a, in a special kind of way, in a different kind of way. So, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to just sort of talk about living your life as a ritual because uh, it, it really, really, it's powerful. It's, it's powerful, powerful work when we decide to live in a way that's holistic and not fragmented and, and separate. Because all of this shit is just, it's the same. It's the same. It's one, it's just one life. 
and they and the spiritual world interacts with the physical world and that's just like that's just a thesis you know so i did want to talk about that and okay so the next exciting thing that happened this week was that i was attuned in level two reiki yay so what that means is so i had a level one attunement a few months ago and an attunement in reiki basically is like an initiation it's an initiation process where you receive like you would spirits in a in an atr an african traditional religion you're receiving like the reiki you're receiving the reiki energy to be able to give it to others um so and reiki is a traditional form of japanese medicine for energetic healing so it's good for healing of the physical body is is good for healing of the um, emotional body spiritual body uh, and it's it's just a great tool in being intentional about the energy that you're using and the energy that exists around us and and channeling it to remove a blockage or to create balance in the body uh, <clears throat> balance in the spirit balance in the heart so uh, I learned some more things you know to be certified in in level two and my teacher courtney was telling me you know with level two attunement that's when the emotion so like level one when you get attuned you probably will feel physically different or like you'll be able to use the reiki more for like your physical body if you have like pains or you just feeling like well disjointed in your joints um it's, it's still energetic healing and a spiritual and emotional healing, but like that's, that's kind of the first step. It's, it's about healing yourself. Level two Reiki, you're able to give healing to others, um, give the Reiki to others and, and the healing to others. And the attunement kind of brings up more of emotional stuff because level one was physical. And so there's just a lot coming up for me and I've only been attuned. I got attuned yesterday. It's been one day and my energy has just been a little off because it's like a purging process so for 21 days i can't give the reiki to anyone i'm really just kind of studying i'm going inward i'm giving the reiki to myself seeing how i feel and after the 21 days over then i can offer it as a service to people or just whenever i feel comfortable but only after the 21 days so i'm just feeling different since i've been attuned it's definitely good i feel like i was saying this to someone I was on Instagram that I feel like a light is on in me like a light that was off has just been flicked on and not in an irritating way like oh my god no lights on someone turn the light off but just a spark in me has grown and I feel like I'm elevating in a different way spiritually after the Reiki so it's just but it's 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 a lot to handle and it's just a lot going on with me at one time. So I have to remain grounded and just feel like spiritual growing pains in a way. This is kind of where I am. So it's all good. I'm really excited to, you know, soon offer that on my site. Not yet. I'm going to take my time. But, you know, when I was in the class, uh, my teacher, Courtney, who was amazing, by the way, amazing black woman Reiki master in Chicago book her for your session to get attuned or just receive her services <clears throat> uh, Violet Heart Wellness <laughs> I'll put her uh, I'll definitely put her a link in the show, show notes 
But she, um, she was the client. And so I was being the Reiki giver and she was being the client to just kind of get me used to delivering Reiki to people, how it felt for me, like how I wanted to stand around the client. And so I gave her Reiki and as I'm giving her Reiki, I'm getting messages about her body and, you know, spirit just starts talking to me about, you know, when I'm putting, laying my hands or hovering over different parts of her body, giving her Reiki. And so I'm really, I was excited about that because it, it was a different way for me to read people. And it was nice to read through the body. It was nice to, you know, have your hands over someone's hips, giving them Reiki. And then someone's hips start telling you, you know, what they need. And someone's head starts telling you what they need. Someone's shoulders start telling you what they need. It was it was really, really, really cool. Um, and so, like, I got to, like, just do a quick little reading for Courtney. But a lot of Reiki healers do that. They, they get messages from spirit, you know, through the body. And so, yeah, that's just, yeah, I'm really grateful to have another tool. And Reiki is a really, really great tool to use. And it helps create structure in how you are doing your energetic healing work so that you're not using your own personal power, your own personal ashe, you know? So uh, that's been my week. That was kind of a lot, (laughs) but I wanted to tell you all just some of the things I've been thinking about. So let us talk about a little bit of how to sustain this show, how you can donate to me and the show and continue a little juju podcast to stay on Apple Podcasts and the podcast world forever. Cardi B voice. All you need is a little juju. So a little juju podcast is hosted, owned, produced, written, everything by me. And um, that requires a lot of labor on my end. That requires different software. That requires different electronics and a whole bunch of stuff because creating podcasts are not free. No one really tells you that, you know, but what is free? Um, So to help sustain this podcast, to help it continue growing and running and all of those good things, I ask for donations in different forms. So the first way that you can donate, which is a consistent way to give money to a little juju podcast, is through Patreon. And Patreon is the site where um, I ask for $3 a month. And you put your card information in, and the first of every month, $3 comes to me. And you can give more than $3, you can give less than $3, but it's a more consistent way to give to the podcast monetarily. The next way you can give to the podcast monetarily is through Cash App, and my Cash App is dollar sign, I-T-S-J-J-B-A-E, and I also accept donations via PayPal um, at my email, thejujubay at gmail.com. So those are ways that you can just do one-time donations if you got a little extra coin, like let me send Juju a little coin, um, is always appreciated. Um, but let me shout out my patrons for this week. Cause I did have some new patrons and I always, always, always shout y'all out on the show and send some extra love. So I am sending so much love to SWP Ta Tommy, who became a patron of a little juju podcast. Thank you, Aaliyah Troutman. Hey boo. Thank you for being a patron. Um, Imani and Taylor. So I just wanted to shout you all out and say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for becoming 
a patron of the podcast. Thank you for donating money to me. Thank you for sharing in the energy of money with me. And I pray that you get the money back flipped tenfold. I appreciate you. I need you. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for being a part of the community where we take care of each other. Um, so sending hella blessings to my new patrons. Yay. Um, if you want to become a patron again, you can hit me up on patreon.com slash Bay. But that will be in the show notes, of course, per usual. And the last ways that you can donate to the podcast are by telling people, sh- sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your mama, which a lot of people have <laughs> told me that they, they told their mama about the podcast. Um, other ways you can uh, help sustain and support is through writing a review on Apple Podcasts. For those who listen on Apple, it's really important to kind of have a collection of reviews. So let people know how you feel about the podcast. People tell me all the time that you appreciate it, you like it, and what you learned. So put that on Apple so that other folks can see too. And uh, rate five stars on whatever platform you listen. And uh, I think that's it. I mean, of course, you can always book a reading with me on my website. It's jujubay.com. That helps sustain the podcast. That helps sustain me because that is the way that I live my life every day. Um, So if you are looking for someone to do readings or you need divination or you're looking for just a way to connect with your ancestors or spirits and you're having difficulty doing that, you can always book a reading with me and we can kind of sort through what you're going through and see what spirit has to say about it. So I appreciate you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am eternally grateful for the ways that people have, um, uh, accepted me and with open arms. I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure because of you. So thank you all. And let's move on to heal yourself. All you need is a little juju. So Heal Yourself is the part of the show where we talk about juju-related tips and tricks to help ourselves get well, stay well, and be well. So today's Heal Yourself is an article that I came across on Facebook, and the title of the article is, um, Studies Show What Happens to the Human Body When We Walk Barefoot on Earth. And then there's like a an image of this man. It kind of looks like a, a cat skin or some type of, um, oh, it's called improved facial circulation. So it's like a scan of someone's face before they walked barefoot on the ground. Uh, and then after 20 minutes of walking barefoot on the ground. So the first face is just kind of like a regular face, whatever. And then the second one the person's face is like illuminated with different colors. I think like just showing the, um, the circulation, the blood moving in the face after having walked outside. So that's pretty much what the article is about. It's, it's talking about the concept of grounding oneself or earthing as some people call it. And it's in, it involves placing your feet directly on the ground without shoes or socks as a barrier. And in the article it says the logic behind this practice relates to the intense negative charge carried by the earth. And this charge that the earth carries is electron rich, and that theoretically serves as a good supply of antioxidants and free radical destroying electrons. So this article was written, uh, or some of the information on this article was was given from 
um, James Askman, who is a has a PhD in bio from the University of Pittsburgh, um, who has an expert who is an expert in the field of energy medicine. Hmm. And so the science behind this, uh, the, the power of walking barefoot outside is that basically through contact with the earth, earth, through either being outside, barefoot, or indoors connected to grounded conductive systems, it serves as natural and profoundly effective environmental strategy against chronic stress, ANS dysfunction, which it doesn't break down what that is, inflammation, pain, poor sleep, disturbed HRV, hypercoagulable blood. I don't even know what half this shit is, but that it means that we need to go outside and walk in the ground just like our ancestors said. But of course, you know, Western science is a little bit late. So now we have Western science to further support things that we've already known. But yeah, it's a whole article about how important it is to get grounded, how important it is to touch the land with our feet. I mean, traditionally, our, our people did not have shoes at a point. And so they were deeply connected to the nature. They were deeply connected to the land. They could feel when certain um, things in nature were about to shift. Um, so it's really important. And uh, I really wanted to talk about grounding today because so often we just are not grounded. We are in a space of just ungroundedness. And being ungrounded for me has looked like my anxiety being super like wild in certain days, not being able to think straight, not even feeling like I'm centered or like I'm present. And so when we feel that if you live in a climate where you can do this, you should go outside and just stand barefoot in the grass. If you can't do that, if you're like me and you're in the colder, more oppressive climates, (laughs) you can always put your hand or even... You could probably put your feet in plants if you have a plant. Today, I was feeling super not grounded. And so I just went to my plant, my biggest plant that I have, and I just put both of my hands in it and I just breathed. And it helped a lot. We are connected to the earth. We are part of the earth. We need to be in the earth. So when we feel some of those um, symptoms of ungroundedness, try to get outside, try to get to the land and try to touch it. Um, For a short amount of time, or if you can, up to like 20 minutes. That I, it served me very well. And it's this article is just talking about all of the ways that it's good for our health and increases our circulation and, and decreases our anxiety, increases blood flow, and helps with sleep. I mean, there's just so many benefits of just sitting with and enjoying nature. So this Heal Yourself is go outside. Or touch some dirt. (laughs) All you need is a little juju. All you need is mother nature. (laughs) Touch the dirt. Get grounded. Be with with the land. All you need is a little juju. So today I want to talk a little bit about the Crossroads Man. Also known as the Black Man of the Crossroads. Uh, also known as the devil, <laughs> also known as the devil from Christian folk and hoodoo folk too. Um, so, 
And then I also kind of want to make some connections that I've, I saw and experienced and learned about in Trinidad and this, this also, this another concept of the devil and okay. So where should I start? Okay. The crossroads man, black man at the crossroads is a specific spirit within the hoodoo pantheon. What happened? So the crossroads man is the spirit that lives at four-way intersections so that could be driving that could be pretty much any crossroads but is it is the spirit that that lives in that space and our ancestors um have told us that in that space is where the spirit realm and the physical realm meet it is a space that is a portal it is a space to be able to access spirits and in order to access those spirits, in order to access that portal, in order to access sort of even just the other side, we have to go through the man that lives there and that is the black man at the crossroads. So the four-way intersections is a common, um, is a common space throughout different African traditional religion. It's a common important space. It's a, it's a common space where a deity lives to be able to give us access, to be able to help us move forward with a thing, to make um, pacts with spirits. It's not just in Hoodoo, in Ifa, we have Eshu, who lives at the crossroads. Um, in, in Voodoo, Haitian Voodoo, we have Papa Legba, who is the spirit of the crossroads. So the crossroads is an important space. It is a sacred space throughout various uh, traditionally indig- uh, African indigenous cultures. So coming back to hoodoo, our ancestors would, would often go to the crossroads to do prayer, to do sacrifice, to... Um, connect with the crossroads man and ask him for favors, uh, to leave offerings for the crossroads man, to leave offering for our ancestors, because it is the place where the physical realm and spiritual realm meet. So interestingly enough, we can learn a lot about the crossroads man through blues, through blues music. As folks may know, blues is actually like the music of hoodoo. So many of our collective ancestors wrote music about workings that we're doing in hoodoo. They wrote songs about the Crossroads Man. They wrote songs about mojo bags. They wrote songs about going to the crossroads and making packs with the devil. So there's a blues singer called Robert Johnson. And there is a lot of stories and lore around Robert Johnson Johnson having went to the crossroads one time and he took his guitar. And the story goes that he gave his guitar to the quote-unquote devil and the devil tuned it. And when he left, he went for nine days, I believe, and went to the crossroads. The devil tuned his guitar and when he gave it back, the devil gave it back to Robert Johnson, he was able to play like no one else. He was... He just gained so much skill from essentially selling his soul to the devil. So the devil was like, I'm going to bring you fame. You're going to be an amazing guitar player. You're going to be a great jazz uh, blues artist in exchange for 
your soul. So you're going to make a pact with me. So that's where the, the, um, phrase comes, you know, selling your soul to the devil. When people talk about celebrities and people who have a lot of talent, like, oh, they probably sold their soul to the devil or the Illuminati it's become now, but yeah, they sold their soul. That's why they have this fame all. And so that was the rumor with Robert Johnson. And he also has songs about the crossroads and going to the crossroads. So his song Crossroads, Crossroad Blues came out in 19, November of 1936. And some of the lyrics are, I went to the crossroads, fell down on my knees, asked the Lord above, have mercy, save poor Bob, if you please. Mm, I'm standing at the crossroad. I tried to flag a ride. Standing at the crossroad, tried to flag a ride. Didn't nobody seem to know me. Everybody passed me by. Um, so he's saying the sun's going down. It's getting dark. Somebody going to catch me here. So he's just talking about his experience that even though he's he's actually saying, Lord, you know, he's he's using the word of Lord, help me. But it does kind of talk about going to the crossroads, which being a liminal space, being a portal to the spirit realm, regardless of who you're talking to, God, any other spirit that might live there. It was a place of prayer. It was a, pl- a place for our, our people to be able to go to connect with the other realm. And so you can he- see that in or hear that in these particular lyrics. Robert Johnson was extremely popular and influenced a lot of artists after him and blues artists, but not just blues artists, all kinds of artists have shown him the proper respects and props because it it almost seemed like he just quote unquote came out of nowhere. It was like when he was playing music and then he started bringing out crowds from all over the South in the thirties and People often call him the very first rock star or that he was the greatest guitar player to have ever lived. So this is very like, you know, I was might have been talking about this like this is just some regular blues player. Like, no, this is a really popular, well-known artist and people, the story about why he had that talent and why he was so popular is because he sold his soul. Not because, you know, he was talented or had a gift or practiced, but you know, I think both things can be true. I think that he probably did go to the crossroads man because the crossroads man is good with those things. The crossroads man helps us, um, get better in what we want to get better in. The crossroads man is a spirit of protection, but especially a spirit of really perfecting our crafts. And so, I mean, again, that's why people are saying that celebrities and people who have great talent are going to the crossroads and probably making a pact with this particular individual because they're so amazing and it just can't be explained. But of course, 
you know, only black people are the ones that are being told that they're, they sold their soul to the devil because they're so popular and went to the crossroads. Uh, so you can just even tell how like, mm, anti-black and anti, anti-African indigenous or African-American spiritual system this is. So like, yes, someone could go to the crossroads and make a pact with the crossroads man who will help you be able to do whatever it is that you want to do in your life. And like people have black people have talents <laughs> and gifts and bring out crowds and are inexplainably talented because we're just inexplainably talented people. So I think both things are true. I think both things are true, but to then name someone praying to or reaching out to a deity that does not fit into the Christian pantheon, that means that this person is interacting with the devil. That means that this thing is bad. That means that we're going to demonize the crossroads or we're going to demonize all these black people who are trying to go to the crossroads to pray and tell them, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 that, that's evil. That's not Christian. You are to operate in a certain way in the States and you are to believe in a certain thing. So that's why the crossroads man started to be referred to as the devil because it was a, a space that black folks were going to to pray, that black folks were going to and seemingly leaving and being better than they were when they went. And that... Of course, in an anti-black system and society, that's seen as negative. <laughs> Why are you coming back better than you were? Why are you coming back with talents? Why you you can't do that? And you can't worship your your spirits. You can't acknowledge that. So, so black folks as well started to refer to the crossroads man and the place of the crossroads as something that was evil or the devil. And yet they still went <laughs> and they were still writing songs about it. So, um, another example that we have is Muddy Waters, who was a popular blues artist as well and deeply influenced by Robert Johnson. Muddy Waters was a blues artist in Chicago from Mississippi, like all the niggas in Chicago are. <laughs> um, and so he didn't have any songs. I was actually doing some research. He didn't have any songs directly about the uh, crossroads, but Muddy Waters has a lot of songs about hoodoo, about mojo bags, about doing spell work on people, on lovers, and makes references to different kinds of um, spiritual work that people were doing during the time, which a lot of folks were because, again, not again, I'm telling you now, blues music was found in and started within, you know, the Mississippi Delta. That's also where hoodoo started. And so there are many, many, many blues songs. And if you are interested in hoodoo, it's best to do your research through the music. And so Muddy Waters is another artist who has a few songs. The Hoochie Coochie Man is probably his most popular song. Um, and there's a lot of just different spiritual references in that song. And there, he has a song about High John the Conqueror, another spirit that we've talked about. So again, this is a very common understanding and practice amongst black people in the South was practicing hoodoo. And again, this concept of, of the crossroads man, the Hajj on the conqueror and 
interacting with a, a phrase that is now a slur, but I'm going to say it because uh, this is part of our history. But like a lot of songs um, naming, like working with quote unquote gypsy women, and even the concept of what a quote unquote gypsy was at that time was a a newer concept. And this kind of a labeling of people who are Roma and labeling their specific magic and, and kind of intersecting our magic in different ways. And it seems as if there was this, this interaction between black folks and Roma immigrants uh, and, and servants in the States to where there's a lot of different references about gypsies in, in blues music. Again, we don't use that term to refer to people, um, now (laughs) that's just not, but in the songs, just letting you know that language is there. Uh, But like, so there's a lot of songs again, referencing hoodoo and referencing the working, the spiritual workings that our ancestors were engaging in at the time. Uh, as I was doing research on songs about the crossroads, I actually didn't see a lot because the the internet is just <laughs> overly populated with information about Robert Johnson and his alleged selling the soul of the devil. Like that, that story is just all over the internet. And it's also difficult to, a lot of the blues songs on YouTube, it's hard quality wise to really hear all of the lyrics and the lyrics aren't put online. And so it's hard. Like, I know that there's more blues songs that are documented and I'm seeing a lot of them documented online that are referencing hoodoo, but lyrically it's difficult to really understand everything that is being said just because of the sound quality. So somebody should do some like really deep research around this. I'm sure that there is research and maybe I just don't know where it is or to access it. But like, I mean, just like documenting lyrics, having these songs organized in a specific way around like their, their themes and hoodoo would just be a really great project. I think for someone to do that is not me. (laughs) Actually, it could be me. I need to find a fellowship. All around your bed, got the black snake roots underneath your head. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Well, I want to love you so till I don't know what to do. That was Ann Cole, Mojo Working, one of my favorite blues songs and one of my favorite songs in general. Um, So back to the Crossroads Man. So again... Uh, the crossroads man is super important. Uh, and think about it too. People talk about the crossroads in a way that's like, okay, I'm at a crossroads with this thing. I don't know which way to go. I'm not sure about my options. I'm stuck. And so it makes sense that that is a physical space that our ancestors recognized was a, a place to kind of make those decisions around one's life, essentially. When we say we're at a crossroads, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to see which way. It's a four-way intersection. Which way can we go? There's so many different paths that we can take. And the crossroads man is a deity that helps us decide and walks with us regardless of what path that we decide to take. Is there and supports us in that process. So he's just kind of like helping us. Like you go to the crossroads when 
you're trying to figure it out. You go to the crossroads when you have figured it out and you have made a decision, but you need that spiritual protection. You need that spiritual support. You need that guidance. You need that, that push. You need the blessing of the crossroads man to be able to do this thing. If you make a decision like, okay, I'm ready to go to school. I need to get into this specific school. It would make sense to go to the crossroads man and ask like, okay, this is the decision that I'm making. I'm asking for your assistance in being able to get into the school of my dreams or what I want to do. And so again, it also makes sense why people would refer to the crossroads man as a devil, quote unquote, because he, for the most part, if he likes you, and you've built a connection with him and you've built a connection with your ancestors first, then he's going to help you do what you want to do. It's your decision. It's your life. He's just helping you kind of create and curate the life that you want. And so if you're going there on some shady shit, that's between you and you. Like that's not the crossroads man man's fault we don't have to externalize why someone would go to the crossroads and blame it on the crossroads man if somebody's going there to be like well I want to be the next billionaire and exploit a bunch of people like maybe the crossroads man could bless that but that doesn't mean that the crossroads man is the devil the crossroads man is just making shit happen for you of your the things that you are choosing to do so if there was any repercussions around things that you're choosing to do it would be on you you know but because that his spirit often sort of embodies that like, Hey, you do, you pick it. It's your life. You asking me for help. So if I fuck with you and we have a relationship and you give me the offerings that I want, I can help you. So regardless of the type of packs that people are making, you know, he might help you achieve that, but that doesn't mean that he's the devil. It's just, he's just a spirit. He's not good. He's not bad. He's a great help. So in interacting with the Crossroads man, um, you definitely, as I was saying before, want to have a connection with your ancestors. You want to at least have been communicating with your ancestors. I would say five months. Some people say shorter. Some people may say longer. I think you have to have a strong foundation first before you go to the Crossroads man. Because when you go and you ask him to accept your offering, he might say no. Uh, he might be like, nah, I'm not doing that. Or I don't really know you like that. You got to keep coming back. The story with Robert Johnson was that he went for nine days. And that's traditionally what folks will do if they're trying to get something from the crossroads man, or they're trying to build a relationship or they're doing some specific working that they want him to bless or move forward. They will go to the crossroads at midnight, nine nights in a row and bring offerings. Offerings that the crossroads man's like are cigars, tobacco, liquors, um, gins, whiskeys, rums. I've taken beer to him before. He really liked that. Uh, cigarettes. Um, pretty much different foods. Candies. Um, yes, definitely candies. I've taken chocolates. I've taken Coca-Cola. It just kind of depends because I will just sort of know when he, when he wants something. And to be quite honest, I haven't been to the crossroads in a really long time, but I actually live at a crossroads. And I always think that people who live at crossroads, that there's something with that, like you're supposed to be connecting with the crossroads, man. And I found that to be true a bit 
just with the people that I know who might live at Crossroads or divinations that I've done. It's like, do you live at Crossroads? Because the Crossroads man is calling you. <laughs> so he's a wonderful, wonderful spirit. I would say his energy is very um, serious, but also playful. It's very... Um, I would say stoic, but still relaxed, not someone that you should be fearful of. But I think I've noticed that when people are going to go to the crossroads for the first time, that they are super scared. I don't really remember how I felt the first time that I went. I just knew that I went, gave my offering, was just asking for blessings and whatever else I asked for, protections and stuff. And I divined and he accepted my offer. So I was cool. I was like, all right, we cool. We built a relationship. Like all is well. And, you know, I feel like he's irritated with me for sure. Cause I haven't been out there as much as I used to. I used to go to the crossroads a lot. And so I definitely want to get back on building my relationship back up with him. Cause he's just a good spirit to have on your team. He's a great spirit to have on your team. Cause he's like a friend. He like ride or die type type energy like okay this what we doing bet let's do it this what you want to do okay cool how can i help if y'all are cool if you build a relationship with your ancestors and if your ancestors say it's okay so if you do go to the crossroads and uh you do specific kinds of work there and just i would say just read the energy to see how you feel after he often may show up as a black cat he may show up as a man in a brimmed hat. He may show up as a dog. Uh, those are different uh, things that I've heard people say that they've seen after they went to the crossroads man, like they saw a dog walk by or or something like that. I've actually seen the crossroads man in the dream and he showed up. Uh, it was He almost looked like a shadow, but he had a brimmed hat on, which is another way that people have interacted with him with a black brimmed hat sort of covering his eyes. So super mysterious, super like mysterious zaddy vibes, but again, an amazing, amazing, um, spirit to have on your team. And I recommend even when you're giving offerings to your ancestors, you can always dispose of them at the crossroads. You can always just go to the crossroads to pray as our ancestors did, um, to connect with the spirit realm as our ancestors did. And it's not scary. It's not, well, I'm not going to say what it is. It could be scary for you, but it's not a bad thing. It's not where the devil lives. It's not any of that. That is just a bunch of anti-black, anti-hoodoo mess that we, <laughs> that, that we've internalized because of our oppressor telling us that it was an evil act that we were doing and that we had to follow Christianity. So again, the crossroads is an important place in a lot of different African traditional religions. And it is a very important portal and sacred space. And the deity that lives there is super important because it's like things can't get past the crossroads man. Like you can't bring things into the, fru into fruition without the crossroads man, without that joining of the physical realm and the, and the, and the spiritual realm, which he often represents in different traditions. So there's, there's something there, obviously. And for, especially because, I mean, we have stories of Robert Johnson, which I don't think are untrue. And other famous folks who 
quote unquote sold their soul when really they just was asking for assistance. Like that's what you do with spirits. You, you can ask them for assistance <laughs> and bring them offering. And that's how you get the things that you need. So if anyone is interested in going to the crossroads, man, again, I would, um, definitely build a connection with your ancestors. If you have learned coin divination, I would recommend doing coin divination for yourself to see if you're ready to go and do that and build a relationship. If you haven't done coin divination, I would listen to your intuition when you're out there. I would listen to, if you feel like it's time for you to go. Uh, there's a lot of things that I, I could say. I feel like with this podcast, I often feel conflicted because I know that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are not my target audience. And I do want to keep certain things sacred and I do want to think keep certain things private within our tradition because it's not something that needs to be broadcast all over the world so like I tell us the things that you know that will help you all engage and that will help us do the work but there's still some things that like you know we can find the elders that we need we can find other folks who practice hoodoo and like building relationship with them and doing your own self-study to be able to get put all the pieces together for you and like, I can't do that, but I can, I can talk to you about some of these things and kind of give you the basic knowledge. And then you can be on your way to, to do the work and your ancestors will guide you when it's time. Again, be consistent with them and all of the other spirits that you need to connect with all the other deities that you may want to connect with will make themselves known to you over time or they won't. And all of it is okay. <laughs> all of it is okay. Coco, K-O-K-O, Taylor. So again, the crossroads is a very, very important space in various traditional African religions. And so when you're feeling like you want to connect with spirit in a different way, that's not at your altar. I definitely recommend going to the crossroads and even just praying to your ancestors there. You can leave offering for your ancestors at crossroads. You can just pray to whoever you're praying to at the crossroads because it is a portal every time I walk past the crossroads well (laughs) ideally I used to I forget now but ideally every time I walk past the crossroads I say hi I say hi to the spirits I say hi to the uh, black man at the crossroads because I just want him to let him know I see you I recognize this space is sacred. It is an important space within nature. It is a natural force within nature, which is what Hoodoo is all about, which is what ATRs are about, using the natural forces of nature. And so there are so many crossroads that exist in nature um, that serve to guide us and that serve to connect us and that 
and that serve as a physical um, space for us to be able to connect and grow and pray and and invest in ourselves and invest in our spiritual selves by interacting with the 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 spirit of the crossroads regardless of what tradition you follow again if you are practicing fire and orisha tradition and eshu you know you're working with eshu if you're working with papa legba because you practice voodoo like so many and there's even i can't remember the catholic saint saint anthony i've heard has been synchronized with um papa legba which then could also recognize or signify saint anthony as a crossroads spirit like i don't know it's i don't know about all of that because i don't practice christianity like that and i'm not i i just heard someone say that to me before um so actually i kind of want to find this out now y'all i got acrylics and it's just like a whole thing Oh, so we have St. Lazarus, St. Peter, and St. Anthony. So all of these spirits could represent the crossroads man, or all of these saints could represent the crossroads man in Catholicism, in Christianity. So, boom. Crossroads man, not the devil, but our ancestors referred to him as the devil because that's just kind of what we, we talked about him as. But something really interesting that I found. So when I was in Trinidad, there was this thing called Juve, which is in the morning, Monday morning. It starts at 4 a.m. It's like an outside just party where there's a lot of mud and oil and paint thrown and everyone gets real messy and it's a whole thing. So that's the, the Monday morning before Ash Wednesday and before, you know, Carnival, which is on Tuesday. So when I went out for Juve, my friend and I, we saw like these people who were like covered in, it looked like black oil or looked like black mud, but they were just, their skin was black because of whatever was on them. And they were like breathing fire and they were like moving in these, this very like, um, like a creature like movements. And they were kind of creepy. Like they were supposed to be creepy. They were blowing liquor. They were breathing, blowing fire, lighting fire, making noises and chanting. And we were like, they're cool, but like, what, what is that? And so upon my further research, I found that they are called jab, J-A-B or jab, jab, J-A-B, which is a term used in Trinidad and also in Grenada too, which is another part of the Caribbean, not far from Trinidad as the devil. And it is a way that when emancipation and slaves were enslaved folks were freed in Trinidad and in Grenada, when there was, it was time for celebration before Ash Wednesday, you know, all the white folks and the, the colonizers were celebrating, you know, Easter's coming, it's Ash Wednesday, it's before Lent. So they were practicing carnival and masquerading and having this fancy mass. But after emancipation, black folks wanted to be a part of the celebration too. And they were celebrating obviously very different things. They were celebrating, celebrating being free. They were celebrating no longer being in chains. And so they would cover themselves in like black oil. They would cover themselves in molasses 
traditionally, I believe, uh, which is also a very black substance or dark substance. They would put it on their skin and they would wear devil horns or they would move about as if they were the devil because it's, it was kind of making fun of slave owners and saying like, okay, this is, you saw us as devils. Like actually you all are the devils, but like, okay, we're going to dress up as devils and we're going to celebrate um, our freedom as the devils that we are jumping around and, and making scary noises and with devil horns and they would have chains on their bodies just to like represent like no longer being in chains. And then also like doing it during this time where the white folks were celebrating in their little pretty costumes because Ash Wednesday was, was approaching and Lent was coming, which means Easter was coming. Um, and so in my research with that, I was like, Oh wow, this is really interesting. Like there's this continuous concept of the devil and things that black people are engaging in being devilish or that black folks are the devil. And then, but I, there was something in me that felt like that wasn't it. Like that wasn't the only reason why people played, played jab people dressed up as this particular character or, or a devil. And so upon further research, my friend from Trinidad actually sent me an article about Jab Jab and in Grenada specifically, there was some information saying that yes, black folks were dressing as Jab Jab to point fingers and like make a mockery sort of, of white folks enslaving people (laughs) and calling those people that they enslaved devils. But it was also a representation of a specific deity that lived in the liminal space between the spirit realm and the physical realm. It was an embodiment of the spirits that were there. And it said on the article, a gungun, meaning our, our ancestors, it was a representation of our ancestors coming back. And for me thinking about the, like it was supposed to have mirrored a feast or festival that happened in Nigeria. Um, and I actually want to find that, that particular name because I, I don't want to leave that out. Okay. So it says in Grenada, modern, uh, jab, jab players trace their character to older African forms of spectacle performance and dance. And one account contends that the jab, jab occupies a space between the worlds of life and death and finds relation to the Egungun festival in Irag Biji, Nigeria, believing that jab like Egunguns represent the spirits of the ancestors who have descended from the heavens or the mountains and a period when the dead come to interact with the living. So again, it makes me think about also the crossroads man and this interaction of life and death and the portal being the crossroads and the fact that people who are dressing up as jab during carnival are representing a devil and and um, the Crossroads Man also represents a devil, like character is just and who and he's black. Remember, we also call him the Black Man of the Crossroads. I just feel like there was some type of connection, like there is some type of throughout the diaspora this imagery of like this dark skinned person sort of existing or being or spirit sort of existing between the spaces of, of life and death and physical realm and spiritual realm and who gets consistently named as 
a devil who gets consistently named as something that is evil when who who said it was evil like <laughs> the people who were enslaving our bodies <laughs> told us that the these specific deities are evil told us that our ancestors were evil told us that our, the spirits of our ancestors were evil so i just found that that was a this an interesting parallel which i would like to see some more you know conversation about to see if this could be like a sort of similar like is a similar thing happening and i think so and I do want to say that although that although the energies and spirits of the crossroads there there are many spirits of the crossroads and energies of the crossroads I don't want to say that they're all the same so I'm not going to say that Eshu is the same as as Papa Legba and that Papa Legba is Jab Jab and Jab Jab is the black man at the crossroads I think that all of these deities and spirits sort of were born from the same concepts and born from the same ideas and spiritual beliefs, but the crossroads man has a different energy to me than Eshu. Um, because I, I have Eshu and I'm very familiar with Eshu's energy and I have a relationship with Eshu and it feels very different from my relationship with the crossroads man. I've never connected with Papa Legba, so I can't speak to that cause I don't practice voodoo, but I feel like people often try to make these spirits the same. And I think that they, they often have come from the same sort of family, but they're not the same. They all are representing the sacred space of crossroads and the sacred space of life and the portal of between life and death and the liminal space between life and death, but they're not the same. So you can't just like, if you plan to the crossroads, man, say that you're praying to issue necessarily, you know, it's, it's not the same, but I think that that depends on who you speak to. I think that they're different because they are different traditions and each tradition has their own unique deities, has their own unique ideas, even though there's a lot of overlap, obviously. <laughs> so I did want to talk about jab and, and all of these different connections that I'm making and have made throughout my own research. And side note, I want to play jab. Like, I want to go to, I have a plan to go to Grenada this summer. And while I'm in Grenada, I want to dress up as jab. Like, I want to do, paint my body in just straight black and blow fire. And just like, it's just, the energy of the jab is just so different than everyone else. Because everyone else is like out partying, they're laughing, they're or they're looking cute, and they got their drinks. And, you know, and jab is out there like, Beg asking people for money like jab is out there crawling you know the jab is is making noises and shrills and and sort of freaking people out and staring people in their face like i was so intrigued by seeing folks dress up as the jab jab and that's something that i want to i want to do i feel very connected to it and I feel like I just keep doing a bunch of different musical clips in this episode, but I do want to play a song that is about jab. And the artist's name is Mandela Links, who is from Grenada.
Black blood in Vivian, must be going insane. Black blood in Vivian, black blood in Vivian, black blood in Vivian. You know, talking about in this song, you know, when I'm dead, put jab jab on my tombstone. And I've actually been thinking through like what that could mean. You know, does that mean that I, I don't actually know. I've been thinking through what that could mean. So he says, when I dead put jab jab on me tombstone. When I dead put jab jab on me tombstone. Whoa, black blood in me veins. Black blood in we veins. So especially when seeing a lot of the information about jab being specifically around like enslavement and like a celebration of no longer being enslaved, but also like for to have this song, which was really popular this year during carnival, like in a very popular soca song and to say, to put jab on your tombstone recognizes that there is some sort of spiritual meaning and uh, significance to the jab that is still very culturally relevant in Trinidad, Grenada, and the Caribbean generally. So I did want to share that, but um, I hope that this was clear. I kind of felt like I was a bit all over the place. Like we just talked about, we went to Trinidad, we was in the Mississippi Delta, we was listening to blues, we was listening to soca, but I'm trying to make the connections of how similar so so many of our practices are and the ways that people try to, our, like colonizers try to demonize our practices, demonize the things that made us better, demonize the deities that we connected with who, who won us free. They wanted to demonize the deities who would allow us to have a greater impact. And so often that is the spirits who live, you know, at those, at those spaces of the physical world and the spiritual world, because they're the ones that we need to be able to move and, and sort of bridge the gap between these worlds, which I've said before is crucial. You know, we need to interact with the spiritual realm within our physical lives and we can't just interact with the spiritual realm (laughs) trust me i've tried it's it's after a while it's like no you actually have to do the work in the real world you have to engage real people you can't just like be stuck with your spirits all the time people do it and people people do it um but these worlds work together And so in order to be able to kind of access that portal of the worlds working together, it's great to be in relationship with deities that live in that space and deities who kind of are, are here and they're there and they're here and they're there at the same damn time. So I, I hope that folks found this helpful because I was asked to do an episode on the crossroads, ma'am. So if you are practicing hoodoo and you have been connecting with your ancestors, I would encourage you to go do your research, continue to do research. I'm going to put links in the show notes to everything that I talked about from the songs to the research that I saw um, to Robert Johnson. All of that will be in the show notes today. Of course, of course. So 
Thank you for listening to another episode of A Little Juju Podcast. If you would like to reach out to me, you can always hit me up on Instagram at it's jujubay, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E. I'm on Facebook as Jujubay, and I'm also on Twitter as it's Jujubay. Um, if you would like to book a reading with me, all of that is on my website, which is itsjujubay.com. I also have a little bit of merch left. I'm so sorry I ran out of Make Conjure Black Again hats. People keep asking me if I'm going to come back out with them. I don't know. I can't decide. Maybe, but um, I appreciate everyone for just buying those up. All I have to say is if y'all want some more Juju merch, which I have ideas for, the, the current merch that I have has to be sold and given away or... I'm sorry, not giving away. So, so that I have the coin to be able to put out more merch. So, um, if you're looking for more merch, buy the merch I got. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yes, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. Sending you blessings, sending you abundance, sending you all things wonderful and good if you want the same from me. And uh, don't forget, all you need is a little juju. That's it. <laughs> Have a good week, y'all. Later. Early this morning, when you knocked upon my door, early this morning, ooh, when you knocked upon my door. Side by side.